Our software is effectively changing the unit of scale for asset management. Depending on what underlying asset class you're doing, whether it's private credit or specialty lending in an asset management portfolio, or all the way to the, the biggest, most liquid stuff, investment grade debt or you know, stock indexes, et cetera, our software can lower the cost for anyone doing that. Hey everyone, wherever you are, hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We have the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show, interviews and discussions with regular people just like yourselves. Today we are joined by another Pacific Time guest, which is awesome because it's, it's, it's always better when people are awake and not towards the morning or the early part of the day. Today we're joined by Bull Wolf, who's the Chief Investment Officer for ArchBlock, or ArchBlock, I should have asked him before the show. He has been in the specialty finance, lending, investment banking, and asset management industries for over 30 years. So we have a lot to talk about. But before we dive into all of that, Bill, tell us about yourself and thank you again for making time today. Cryan, thanks so much for having me on and appreciate the uh, intro. My background is fairly simple for, in terms of my professional career. I spent 20 years in traditional investment banking, doing all sorts of different things, covering different markets geographically and different products. Loved every minute of that, but I was an entrepreneur at heart. So then I founded a a specialty finance aviation leasing business with some partners and had the Blackstone Group as our partner in that and ran that for uh, 10 years. And again, it was a, a wonderful adventure. But as we were getting to a natural inflection point in that business where we were going to sell a major portion of our portfolio, I, I still needed to scratch my entrepreneurial itch. And I had become an investor in what is now today uh, ArchBlock. And I decided I wanted to go to the frontier of finance because I was enamored of and fascinated by blockchain technology. And instead of just being an investor, I joined ArchBlock full-time and have been doing so. It'll be my second anniversary coming up here in, in January. And it's been the most fascinating and invigorating thing I've done in my career, quite frankly. Wow. Those are amazing words. Like, so you said fascinating and invigorating. Like, maybe tell the audience why you believe that so. Essentially, because while I did a startup, I did a very traditional startup in an asset management business. And yeah, it had all the broad issues around startups, but now I'm working truly in a technology startup. And while I've had friends in the technology industry, both as investors and entrepreneurs, I'd never been inside of one myself. And you don't realize how hard it is. And so, again, I, I loved every minute of my career, but now I feel like I'm really at the coal face of creation and, and entrepreneurship, and it's just really fun. And so every day I get up, and, and it's a, an incredibly new challenge and uh, doing things that I haven't done since the very beginning of my career, which is a lot of fun, like things that normally you move away from as you get more senior actually find a lot of fun and energizing. Nice. So Bill, I've got to ask you, as someone who has worked in traditional finance, traditional banking or in asset management, like I, I have a, a few family members in HSBC, Standard Chartered, DWS, like people around the world. And I find like talking to them, they're like half of them are like, okay, blockchain technology is cool. Digital assets are cool. Half of them are like, what? No, this is not cool. So when Going through your career, what was that point that said, okay, this is really interesting and I have to look into it and, and then later on end up at ArchBlock? So the quick answer to that is, Crying, is that preparation for this has been throughout my career. I've been a student of financial history my whole life. I studied economics in college, but I took as many classes about economic history as I could. And so I've been fascinated by major tectonic shifts in financial markets brought on by technology. And, and by technology, like the invention of the, the dual ledger system by some monks in Italy hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that was financial technology. And so I've looked at these major shifts that have occurred, and I've been fascinated by them. And as I was studying from the outside in as an investor and observer, 
I believe, I think a lot of other people do too, because my, my view is inconsequential compared to uh, everyone else. I believe that blockchain technology is one of those major plate tectonic shifts. How big it is, only time will tell, but I believe it is a major shift. And so I was watching it from the outside and I realized that I don't believe any other major tectonic shifts have occurred in my career, to put it in perspective. And I was like, how can I miss this one? So just because I'm, I'm arguably at the end of my career, because I'm one of the older guys around in our business here today, that I didn't want to miss on it. So that's what made me want to leap and do this as opposed to staying in the traditional lanes of finance I've been in. That's amazing and, and really motivational as well, like to, just to go from this really safe space into this really very tiring at times, but very busy space. Bill, we're at the point we've got to talk about Block. I don't want to take up too much of your time. It is the afternoon for you. So before we get started, I want to remind everyone anything you or I say is not financial or legal advice. Please do your own research, right? And these are just our opinions. Bill, before we get into Archbog, one sort of broader question. We've seen a lot of excitement, right? I think Bitcoin was at 41 or hit 42 and came back down to 41. I haven't checked the price uh, since I woke up this morning, my time. Lots of excitement. People are very sure, like 90% of people are like, okay, the bear market is over, bull market is back, maybe. I mean, at Archblock, given your role, like, how are you guys feeling over there? What are you excited about? What's happening? That's great. It's a great question. So in some ways, crying the, the underlying markets aren't really core to what we do. So let, let me start by saying that. But how we're viewed by the general public, by the financial services industry broadly defined, is affected by where the underlying uh, assets are. And we view all of that as a form of innovation using blockchain technology. And so the fact that the overall market is better and, and the, the, the general sentiment is better, and importantly, that hopefully what I, we, we call just a continuous train of bad news in terms of bad actors being uncovered and prosecuted in some instances, as that decelerates and as people then get more confidence in the asset, that helps people be more comfortable to adopt the technology. So that's how it, it affects us. So yes, we hope it's right. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know whether the bear market is over. We sure hope it is because that, we think that makes people calm down and be receptive to the underlying technology innovation that can go on in the many different use cases that they can be. Bitcoin is just a use case of it, uh, et cetera. And so that's how those underlying markets affect us and how we view them. Nice, nice. And that's a really good point. And you opened it up. You said the underlying markets don't really affect you that much. But tell us about Arshblock and what you guys do. I was so excited when I got your email. I'm like, oh my God, this sounds so familiar. And then I looked at your website. Oh yeah, of course. I remember now. But for our audience who's not familiar with Arshblock, please fill us in. You bet. And I'm going to go in reverse order. I'll tell you what we do today. And then I'm going to fill in a little bit of how we got here because that's important. So today there are two main sides to our, our company. We are a blockchain software provider. And we provide software to help people create and manage stable coins. That's one side of our business. And importantly linked to that is the other side of our business, which is on-chain software to, to assist with asset management. Which our software allows people to create, manage portfolios of assets up on the blockchain. So effectively tokenization of underlying investment. Those are the two simple sides of our business. Now quickly on how do we get here and that, why is that, how we got here, why is that relevant? We started out as creating a stable coin, TUSD. We no longer own that. We are no longer running that. For a while, we ran it after we sold it for a period of time. We created TUSD because when we started our, our company, this was before I was here as an active member, I was an investor at the time, we realized you needed a base layer of institutional grade stable coins to make the whole financial ecosystem work. 
at that time, only Tether existed. The other stable coins that are big winners in the marketplace like USDC, among others, did not exist yet. We created that because we needed it. We needed that uh, Lego piece, but it also allowed us to build a lot of systems underneath the hood, if you will, that helped us in our current state today. So that was the first thing we created. Then once we had that built, we also had done a, a token offering to create a utility token, which is called True, T-R-U, which is the TrueFi underlying base software, which is now decentralized into a DAO. And that created our first set of software for managing assets on the blockchain, and it was for lending. And again, we created that, and we became our own manager using that software, and we started lending using the stablecoin as an on-ramp. We used other stablecoins too. We, we accepted USDC, we accepted uh, USDT and BUSD back in the day. But what we were really doing was we were onboarding assets through the stablecoins in order to test using our software for lending. So it was in effect us testing our own software. We're no longer in the business of running our own portfolios because then we decentralized True or TrueFi. And, and after we did that, then we were able to start building the ArchBlock layer on top of that. So ArchBlock asset management software is software that sits on top of TrueFi, which is open source software and smart contracts. And the ArchBlock is a more curated, specialized to asset manager software that allows you to do a lot more customized things than the underlying TrueFi software. I know that was fast. I know I may have confused some people and lost them in that. It usually takes us a lot longer to do that, but I want to do that in real uh, quick fashion just to, to be efficient with uh, your listeners' time. So that's essentially where, where we are today. And we do run our own stable coins, some, some minor stable coins, but our big business is now providing our stablecoin software to others, and that's what we're doing. And we also are providing asset management software to others. Let me pause okay. there. Very cool and very interesting as well. Like, that's one of the things I often get from, because we have listeners, like, I think in 112 countries, somewhere around that. And we often get, hey, USD stablecoins. And so you mentioned your, your business is providing stablecoin software, right? Let's talk about that for a moment and we'll come to the asset management software. How does that work, right? So if I'm an entity or a big Brazilian bank or a, a big Cameroonian bank in Africa, do I then approach Archblock and I, I listen to the podcast? I'm like, okay, I want to be the first entity to set up a stable Brazilian real, right? And, and is that how it works? I approach you first and then you guys help us with the software? That That's works. exactly how it works. And so our, our software can do everything from helping you set up the on-ramps, and the, the off-chain portion of it that you need to interface with traditional finance and all the APIs you need for that. And then all the way through to the actual smart contracts, which will manage your stable coin, which you will mint and redeem under specifications and rules that you create. We can also provide uh, assistance with managing. Now, we don't touch it directly, but with managing the underlying reserves that someone is going to collect and manage on behalf of the holders of the stable coin and then do all sorts of KYC, AML, all sorts of functions can all integrate in that. And that's exactly right. And we're working with a bunch of folks in, in a bunch of different interesting niche cases because the broad case use of, of stable coins, I'm not saying there isn't room for innovation or other players, but there are some obviously some global winners, USDT and USDC among them. But there's some really interesting niche cases, and I'm happy to talk about some of those at, at a high level if that would be of interest. But that's how it works, and we get calls all the time. And sometimes there's, it's not a good fit for us because in terms of what we're doing, some people want to do it much more in-house, but we effectively rent our software like a SaaS software, so, software as a service business, and they pay us utilization fees in order to use it. Wow, that's awesome. And that's such a great model. So yeah, tell us about the niche cases as well, because I think 
like you hinted at, is as the broad ecosystem goes, I don't think Tether's going to disappear. I remember seeing their Q3 profits were really amazing. USDC as well seems to be cemented in the ecosystem and in the space, no matter where you're in the world. Tell us about the niche cases. So here's an example of a niche case. There, there are currencies in the world, sovereign currencies for countries, that are pegged to other people's currencies. And, and they want to utilize their own currency, and they want to utilize their currency in an on-chain, real-time, all the benefits of the blockchain, real-time, 24-7, transparency, instant settlement, et cetera. And there's an interesting use niche case for them to take their dollar back if they're dollar pegged, or there are other currencies out there that are pegged to other people's currencies, and then create and use software for trade and settlement purposes and for remittances. If they have workers coming into their country from elsewhere, they can create the use of their underlying currency as opposed to asking people to use the underlying currency it's pegged to, dollars in some instances, but it could be other currencies as well. That's one of the most powerful use cases, and that's something we're working intensively on all around the world. I'm not in a position to announce any of those right now because a bunch of them are are going to be forthcoming in the new year, but that's one of the best use cases. There's some other niche cases too, where something isn't necessarily pegged to another currency, where but where somebody based on trade or other cross-border activities want to have a stable coin just for use in certain bilateral trade purposes. They're not going to get hundreds of billions or tens of billions of, of minted coin in there, but they it's going to be subscale for their purposes. But they'd like to use the software to use for some bilateral trade that they have with another country. So in effect, we're creating a, a, a trading pair of currency for them. That's essentially what it's for. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating a question you're going to bring on here because eventually governments should be doing what we're doing. And so central bank digital currencies, they're being tested all around the world. We expect them to come. We don't think they're going to get here as fast as, as everybody would like them to. And that's why we feel good about our business for the intermediate term. I will also tell you that there are some governments that are talking to us. So in the instances I just described, someone come and say, we want to use your software. Those aren't governments. Those are entrepreneurs who are figuring out the regulatory regime in the country they want to mint the currency in and they want to rent it and be entrepreneurial. We are starting to get inquiries from governments saying, maybe I should be using some element of your software in our central bank issued digital currency as well. And we welcome that. We're looking forward to that. A bunch of people are playing on it. We're not the only people uh, working on this, uh, that use case as well. But that's an, uh, an obvious eventual extension of what we're doing. So we don't think we get put out of business by it, but we do think that will be a major shift when it starts coming into place. The predictions on when that comes on, again, we have no crystal ball. You know, are we months uh, 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 away from that? Meaning not necessarily two or three months, but 10, 20 months away. Or are we years away from that. We're not going to hazard a guess, but we're ready for it whenever it does happen. Very cool. You mentioned other competitors, other people in this space. What someone listening to this, okay, then maybe I should look at other competitors, but why should someone come to Oshblock and say, hey, you guys are the one for me? Great question. And I appreciate the, the, the prompt on that. Our business very early on made a, a conscious decision to involve a lot of people from traditional finance. And, and so I'm, I may be the oldest person inside of Archblock. I'm not the only person of my generation. And that was a, a conscious decision of the very young people that drive our business and the technologists, the engineers, the product builders, et cetera. They wanted to benefit from people who have been in the financial system so we could build it in the most regulatorily compliant way. Because while the promise of DeFi and democratization of finance is still there, governments have the tax power and they have the, the enforcement power. And at the end of the day, you got to live by their rules. And so 
I'm not going to talk about anyone that I think is on the other side of what I'm describing, but not everybody has that deep regulatory framework orientation in terms of how they're bringing it. That's one of our biggest differentiators. So every step of the way, we've gone to regulators, we've worked for the industry associations, and we said, we don't want to be close to the line. We want to be so far away from it, we can't see it, but on the right side of that. And so that's been one of our key differentiators. Another differentiator is that very early on, we made a very big investment in making sure we had very deep engineering capabilities. A lot of folks had engineering teams in-house. We purchased one of the largest blockchain engineering houses called Ethworks a number of years ago. And we've always had a much bigger engineering team than we can work on our own issues. And we continue to do work for outsiders. And so this is another key differentiator. Why are we doing that? Not because we want to be in the business of being a dev shop. That's a perfectly good business, but that's not a real tech multiple high gross margin growth business. It's a, a time and materials business. We're doing that because that means we're, we're out there seeing what's going on in the world and taking on board the best in class programming that can be done out there all the time. That's another key differentiator of ours is, is our, our eyes and ears out there, if you will, working on problems for others, but then learning from that. We're not taking any IP that doesn't belong to us. I want to be clear about that. But we are learning from that and going up the learning curve all the time because this technology is moving really fast all the time. Those are two of the key differentiators between us and some of our competitors. And as a result, it's put us in a position where our smart contracts have handled, in terms of stable coins, billions and billions of dollars of stable coins. While we don't run or own TUSD uh, anymore, it's still our software running it. It had been impervious to hacking. It worked perfectly well. Billions and billions of dollars of outstanding. And, uh, when you take into account the actual transaction volume, it's right up there uh, with the biggest ones in the industry. Same thing over on our smart contracts for our managing of assets. We've done almost two billion dollars worth of actual transaction of people putting their, their money into uh, portfolios. No hacks, no leaks, no problems. So our software is deeply battle tested. And again, that ties back into our engineering expertise. You brought up asset management. Let's talk about it. My one question would be, right, who are you talking to? Who are you targeting? Is this for the big players like a BlackRock or are you going for small family offices? Who are you looking after? So the answer is yes. And let me get away from the cute answer. Uh, off your two end. Our software works for, at both ends of the spectrum. Our software is effectively changing the unit of scale for asset management. Depending on what underlying asset class you're doing, whether it's private credit or specialty lending in an asset management portfolio, or all the way to the, the biggest, most liquid stuff, investment grade debt or you know, stock indexes, et cetera, our software can lower the cost for anyone doing that. And certain asset classes, you needed to get to 100 million, 500 million, a billion dollars before you were at scale uh, using the whole tech stack, you would need to do that. We're taking out huge portions of that tech stack so that now if you've got a niche strategy, and I'm going to make something up here, say you're a specialist uh, in investing in private credit to the, the quick service restaurant construction loan business. That is a real thing I just mentioned. So it's an example, but that's not hundreds of millions of dollars. It's certainly not billions of dollars but it's a niche lending market. And so your portfolio saves only 50 to $100 million. Using our software, you can efficiently run a portfolio of that size. So it's taking the unit scale down. So we are serving the very small emerging managers who are never gonna be BlackRock and manage eight, $10 trillion. By the same token, no pun intended there, we also believe that our software works at the biggest scale. And a lot of the players are developing their own platforms to do that. And, and uh, we knew that they were focused on it even back when a bunch of them were still bad-mouthing it. It was fascinating. I'm not going to name any names, 
some of the major financial institutions in the world, their CEO would be out talking uh, down blockchain and crypto. But we, through because we're a big uh, dev shop, we saw they, at the same time they were doing that, they were hiring blockchain engineering team because they believed in it, but they, they weren't sure yet how to think about it. And they wanted to distance themselves from some of the, the Wild West behavior that, uh, that gave the industry a little bit of a taint. So they were all building a lot of their own systems, and that's great. But there, a lot of them are building walled garden systems that don't talk to each other. And so as a result, we might wind up in a little bit of a Tower of Babel situation where you have all these walled gardens, but people can't move assets and, and transact between them. So we're trying to build an agnostic to whatever you're managing and whoever that manager is system. And so we are out talking to the big players. Not all of them are receptive to our message because they feel threatened by this underlying technology. I think they're afraid that they'll be disintermediated from it. We don't believe that's the case. We believe that it will be incorporated in everybody's platform because there's a lot of mega platforms out there. And again, we, we mentioned just one because they, they, they are the biggest, BlackRock. But all of BlackRock's peers, et cetera, are all eventually going to adopt this. So we're talking to a bunch of them. They have a different sort of threshold for adoption and switching their systems over. But we think our technology has a really good shot at being incorporated into what these folks are doing, and it can move into and work side by side with some of their wall gardens as well. So our asset management software has got a wide ranging customer base, and we look forward to it being a part of that. That said, we have competitors in that business as well, but our differentiator on that front is back to our, our orientation around regulatory compliance, our engineering expertise on that and our belief that it should be an open source system. That's why all of our software still runs on this open source TrueFi system, because we believe that's a good place for it to sit so that everyone can see it and use it, understand the underlying software. In addition, then it makes it highly uh, transparent and visible and everyone can see what's going on. Doesn't mean you can't make your, your certain of your data confidential if you need that to be, because in finance, sometimes things need to be confidential. But the underlying transacting and that is traceable and audible. Fascinating. Bill, you mentioned asset management, you mentioned stablecoin software. These are two very exciting areas. And even with the potential of CBDCs and, and even with the potential of, of other competitors or big banks saying, hey, we're going to use our own software, right? It's, it's still, these are very powerful areas moving into 2024. Do you think at Oshblock, you're able to equally commit resources to these two areas or are you focusing one more than the other or how's that going to work next year? The answer is right now we are balanced. We go in surges where we're committing more of our engineering resources and our capital to one of the businesses versus the other. We were last year in 2023, I say last year as if the year is over, it's almost over. We, we did have a big focus on our asset management software. We're now committing more resources. If you looked at the, the gauge right now on the stablecoin side, we think there's a lot of things that we're building and working on right now that will be important for us to focus on. So a little bit more resources going to that right now, but we view this as a balanced barbell uh, business of ours. There's some other areas that we're working on intensively because there's another element that we think is going to be really important that we don't do, but we have partner companies that we work with, and that is verifiable identity. Because if traditional KYC, AML, and identity-based systems don't move as fast as the other parts of it, we're going to miss a lot of the key benefits because people will be able to transact really fast, but then they'll get slowed down by people needing to work on, wait, who is that I just bought that from, et cetera. And so we believe that we need to be closer to these identity systems and verified identity and that there needs to be a lot more uh, development in that area. Similar to the stablecoin side where we need regulation to catch up with the innovation, similar in the asset management side, 
we need regulators in all the countries around the world to move faster on the verified uh, identity uh, area to create standards, to publish how they would accept that. But that's a third leg to the stool that we think is going to be very important. And so we're spending a lot of time in that area with uh, some of our partner companies. Look forward to us making announcements about that in the very near future. So again, I'm being vague about that, but we've already identified a fantastic uh, group that we plan to work with uh, on that. And we think that's another area that the innovation needs to be going very quickly on in order to take full advantage of the the stablecoin innovations and the asset management innovations. So that could potentially be your partner, Archblock, and this be like a comprehensive software package where, hey, I'm That's issuing it. a stablecoin and I've got the KYC AML stuff over there and it's all done beautifully together in one package, super easy. And then you, it's, that's how you show shopping it out to different entities. You sound like you were in our product planning meeting. That's exactly it. <laughs> so we, 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 while that's not our background and not our DNA on the identity side, so rather than, than uh, build it, we'd rather partner with somebody uh, uh, who's already built what we think is the best in class. Fantastic. That honestly sounds like a perfect solution. Bill, we've talked about so much and we've managed to get through so much. And I really appreciate the pace at which you told us all these really cool, exciting things. So you've been on a few podcasts, right? And I'm wondering for people who are like, okay, I love video. I love audio. I, I love listening to both talk, right? Is there a regular place for people to follow Archblock and what you guys are doing on? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? Is it YouTube somewhere? Should they expect more Bill Wolf appearances on on the media? So the answer is, if you look us up on social media, on X or on our website, LinkedIn, we post frequently when one member, and I'm only one of our spokespeople, uh, does uh, podcast, things like that, you'll get updates. We also have a forum in which uh, we contribute to. So the TrueFi forum, which again is the base layer software that we write on top of, we don't control it. We know the the governance body there and we can make requests to them to uh, implement things. But there, that forum for TrueFi has a lot of innovations that are going on and we post things there all, all the time as well. So those are the, the best places to keep track of what's going on. And then you can also go to our Archblock website and you can go into the Archblock marketplace where we currently have a outside manager running a very simple portfolio for T-bills. Now, that's only for non-U.S. investors. No one in the U.S. can do that. People say, aren't there a lot of funds out there now offering T-bills out in the marketplace? And the answer is there are, and I'm going to be very careful here, but not all of them are actually complying with the very, very strict laws about T-bills, which, by the way, the U.S. Treasury gets to tell people how to own and manage T-bills. A lot of them are actually out of compliance with the U.S. Treasury on that. Ours is completely uh, in compliance with that. Again, I'm not trying to badmouth anyone. And so what differentiates people around that? So we launched ours late, but we we were late uh, um, on purpose. We wanted to make sure we were completely on sides on a regulated basis. So that's a place where people can go watch and see uh, portfolios that are live using our software and ones that we'll be launching in the near future. So those are a bunch of places to check us out. And I appreciate the prompt on that. Nice. That That's awesome because I know like here... Going through my traditional broker here in Taiwan for T-Bulls is, let's say, an arm and a leg and another arm, and it's not fun, which is why I, I dislike using traditional sort of platforms in that sense. If you're a non-U.S. But, investor, which it sounds like you are, please go check us out. Well, for sure, because that's always been on my list of things to figure out, and I didn't realize you guys had doing it because I spent some time looking at the website. But yeah, We have outside managers running. I want to be clear. It's Again, this is exactly what our software is for. We had uh, some folks that we were close to, a, a, a group called Adapter, which is creating software to do all sorts of, of uh, real-world assets on the blockchain. So it's software that cool. uh, works in conjunction with ours, and they also are experts in uh, in fixed income. And so they they launched a, uh, a T-bill uh, fund on there. 
So it, it's the uh, TFT bill, TrueFi T-bill fund, which is on, on the Archplot marketplace. That is awesome. That's literally what I'm going to do after this podcast is to check that out. I appreciate we that, We appreciate Bill. you. We appreciate okay. you. Bill, before we end up today's show, I always like to give guests a chance to step for anything they would like to add that they were like, okay, I've got to say this today. They haven't, they didn't say just yet. Floor's yours. Take as much time as you want. How would you like to end up today's show? So here's what I would like to share with people, which is because I get asked all the time because I started my career a long time ago in investment banking when investment banking was nowhere near as big as it is today. And people ask me, they say, if you were starting your career today, where would you start in finance? And, and I will not say a, a bad word at all about investment banking as, as a place to make, start one's career in finance. It's still great training. And while I, I did it for 20 years and I loved it, it was time for me to move on. But I, I want to uh, answer that question, how I answer it for folks, because I, I, I get to mentor a lot of people who are coming out of college and they're interested in finance. And my answer to that question is you were fortunate because it's as if a new world has been discovered and it's called blockchain. And so there are tons of different subcategories within that, but go find someone who's using blockchain to access the world of finance. And while you're going to be by definition, potentially in a new and nascent business, you can do that also going to one of the big players because they're hiring right now at the major people, some of whom we've mentioned before, but go work on the new technology. I think that will be the most interesting thing someone can do with their finance career right now. And so thank you for prompting me on just a wide open question. So any of your listeners out there who are in school or looking at a career change and relatively early in their career, the old adage used to be back here in the U.S. when there was still a, a frontier in the West before the whole country was settled, it was go West, uh, young person. My advice is go blockchain finance, young people. And so thanks for letting me ask and answer my own open-ended question. I love that as, as well. And some of our listeners would know, like I mentioned it all the time, I used to be a teacher for over 10 years. Some of my students now are in their 20s, still in university, or some have finished already and are looking for careers. And so this is some good advice. Bill, I really appreciate your time today. And hopefully you can get home after work on a timely manner. Thanks so much. So all of the Archbox socials will be down in the podcast show notes, in the uh, YouTube channel as well. And Bill, so I know you're on LinkedIn. Is there any other place for people to follow you on? LinkedIn is the best place, and, and I'm looking forward to linking to people who are interested in what we're doing and following up. So thanks for that. No problem. And Bill, thank you again for your time, and hopefully we can catch up soon in a year or so and to see how things are going at Block and how the asset management side and the stablecoin side are going. Thank you, Crown. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you.